0: Hi, welcome to another episode of Life Beyond Our Wildest Dreams. I'm your host, Denise McDougall. This is a podcast where we discuss what we have earned through our recovery and how we get to live a life beyond our wildest dreams. Today, my guest is author Gigi Langer. Some of you are familiar with her self-help book, 50 Ways to Worry Less Now. Gigi holds a PhD in Psychological Studies and Education and an MA in Psychology, both from Stanford University. Gigi is sober from alcohol for 35 years. She resides in Florida with her husband and spends her time speaking, doing workshops, conducting retreats. She's helped thousands of people, including myself, with recovery. So welcome, Gigi, to the podcast.
1: I'm so glad to be here, Denise. Thanks so much for having me as a guest.
0: Finally get to meet you. It's great to have you here. Now, Gigi, we usually start off with the first question um, that... We just want you to give us a little bit of idea of what the last day of that darkness of addiction looked like for you, uh, the day you made the des- decision
1: to enter into recovery. Uh, that's a great question to start with. <laughs> My psychologist had suggested that I try having two drinks, no more or no less, <laughs> for uh of, you know, to see if I was really an alcoholic, because I thought I wasn't. And I remember the the one time that I had the two drinks, and then I had the third and the fourth and the fifth. And that was about the 10th time this had happened in my experiments. <laughs> and occasionally it didn't happen. But anyway, I had pretty well convinced myself that it was out of control. And uh, I did crazy things that hurt other people if I had even one drink. So I went to... Um, my first meeting because my husband at that time was working Al-Anon and at a crazy moment, he just said to me, what would happen if this was your last drink? We were sitting at a a restaurant having a beer and somehow I was willing by the grace of God. And the next day I went to a meeting and I haven't had a drink since.
0: (laughs) And that's 35 years, is that right?
1: That's right, boy, what a miracle.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's for sure. And so, um, you know, it sounds like it's been quite a journey for you. And, uh, you know, your book is just so there's so much in the book, we're gonna have to have you back at least one more time. And, uh, you know, but maybe what you can, what you can do, you know, for someone like myself, I've been I sobered up about the same time as you did. And, um, you know, I think that the important thing is, is that there's so much connection because when we, we come into addiction, you know, we usually have multiple issues. I haven't met very many alcoholics that just are an alcoholic and don't have other issues. And in my case, I certainly did. And I had undiagnosed anxiety. And the reason your book was so helpful is that, you know, it's hard for people when they come into addiction to sort out what the addiction is, what the isms are, what maybe in my case anxiety disorder and constant worry was and you know that was something what you know whether the heart the cart came before the horse or the horse before the cart it's really hard to figure out and your book really simplifies a lot of the worry and I know one thing that's really helped me and maybe you can describe for some of the listeners is the lies. Con- can you tell us
1: a bit about that sure it's uh, an idea that came to me. Uh, so those words kind of just came to me, but it, you know, I had heard of the concept early on. Remember sitting in a meeting when someone said, "Oh my God!" All I can hear in my brain is that committee, that oh-so-helpful committee, you know, whispering yeah. at me and and saying all these negative, nasty things. So I think once we stop numbing ourselves, we start hearing what the heck our brain is. <laughs> playing in terms of these old self-destructive uh, recordings and that's what I call the whispered lies my mental self-talk so it could be something like um, you know Gigi, how can you be so goddamn dumb which came from my father when I was young and I made a mistake so it got lodged in my neural <laughs> networks yeah. and whenever I made a mistake that came out and it it's Many of them are just old habitual pathways of um, speaking to ourselves or thinking about ourselves. And sometimes they're uh, about other people, like that person should not, that politician should not do blah, blah, blah. And we get ourselves all worked up and so on. And, you know, it's what one expert calls an unenforceable rule. You know, we make up these rules in our heads that we think we have the power to you know, make people go along with this rule. And it's absolutely folly, uh, there's no chance. So when I started noticing, I mean, the first thing was how poorly I spoke to myself. Um, I, I started working on that. That came up in my first inventory actually. And over time, with a lot of help from therapists and so on, I learned uh, to identify what was going on in my mind, which I never had before, and then to take the responsibility for the content of what I was telling myself, and then to ask myself, well, do I wanna continue on that line of criticism and worry, or do I have the power to change it? And the good news is yes, we have the absolute power to change what we're thinking about.
0: And don't you agree that sometimes with these whispered lies, one thing when I was first reading it that I thought about is a lot of them come too from people that are already passed. So in our experience, you know, the people are long dead and we still have these, what I used to call tapes, but are basically the whispered lies still Mm -hmm. going on. So we got our own committee, um, you know, chatting us the whole time and then we've got you know the whispered lies from dead or alive or like you said just how we feel you know for me my one of my core issues was everything being fair and just and you know and I still have issues with that today after 38 years working a 12-step program and um you know that comes into whispered lies too right like you said my interpretation or my narrative to myself as to how I think something should be and play Mm -hmm. out And so it's so helpful. I found the whispered lies just really, really helpful because it just, in a very concise way, just explains, you know, the committee in the head. Sometimes people, you know, I think when they come into recovery in the beginning, they're scared to say out loud that's going on. You know, they don't really know that we all got it going on. (laughs) I mean I went to a meeting in the earlier years and I hate to say it you know I went into a meeting this committee started up and the entire time I'm in the meeting this committee is carrying on and you know I'm not hearing much of the meeting and I'm so unaware that there's other people around me and my head was full and I guess levels of trauma and different things that people experience as well these whispered lies can be very very difficult you know mm-hmm. to really change but like you said it is possible and that's the good news and that's the good news of the book is yes. that it's possible to change those and you have so many strategies there's one and I can't even really tell you which one it was but it was very it was very similar to a thought record you know looking for the evidence of the situation and that's sometimes how I undo the whispered lies as well Yeah, you know, check and see if the evidence is there. Is this really something that's going on or is it my own narrative? So whispered lies, I think, you know, everyone should get the book period because of that. (laughs) Whispered lies. And, you know, the other thing early in addiction in, I think is hard for people is, can you, you, did you talk a little bit in the book about, uh, we can let go of the past how do you suggest to people when they're first starting
1: that they can start to let go of the past oh that's yeah i think especially in early sobriety there's so much regret and remorse why didn't i get sober sooner why why did i have to ruin this you know my children's lives for example and and it is living in the guilt of the past And uh, eventually what we realize is that the past is over and the future is not here and we stay in today. And that's why that statement, one day at a time, is so valuable because all we know and we can tell one another is that the past is over, the steps are going to heal it. But right now, our primary purpose is to not drink or use. And so the best way we can do that is to stay in the day and do the next right thing that's right in front of us. And even today, you know, something ended. I had an appointment end and I thought, okay, what's the next right thing? Oh, I haven't taken my vitamins. You know, I have (laughs) it's a. It's as simple as just staying in today and doing what the next right thing is.
0: Exactly. And sometimes the yeah. next right thing,
1: um, you know, we don't even
0: have to know what the next right thing is. Like we were True. scheduled to do it tomorrow. We're doing it today. So the next right thing today is to do it. So, you know, <laughs> we don't know what the next right thing is. But I think the focus on the present and it's like all these things are very, very sound very easy. But they take lots and lots of practice. And, you know, even at this stage for both you and and myself, I think that, you know, we probably struggle from time to time where we're not necessarily am I in the past anymore, but futurizing, worrying about what's going to happen down the road. And I got to pull myself back into the present moment like you're talking. So I think that the shame and guilt like that are completely normal when we come in and again if we can let go of that past I find that we can't really even be in the present day or even look to the future if we're held hostage by the past I look in the rearview mirror every once in a while but I never I never drive in reverse anymore
1: (laughs) right you know
0: I just don't because it's like just picking out a scab it never heals for me and uh I know in the book as well, you talk a little bit about this concept of radical forgiveness. Now, of course, if we're going to let go of our past, as you've described it, there's a lot of whispered lies, there's a lot of narrative, there's a lot of negative, there's a lot of trauma, things that happen in the past. So if we're going to stay in the present or the future, forgiveness has to come into it at one point. So can you explain a little bit what you mean by radical forgiveness?
1: Yes, it's uh, it's not my term. It's uh, coined by Colin Tipping. And it is a radical proposition. It's interesting how I discovered the book. You know how you'll hear someone suggest the same tool or the same book or the same person. Like it it comes up four times in the same week from five, to you know, <laughs> and you look up to the heavens and say, all right, all right, I'll get it. And that's what happened with this book. This guy ran across a parking lot and told me, and I wasn't searching for something like that, but my higher power knew that it was time for me to absorb these ideas and that um, they would be helpful to me. And um, that's what's beautiful about turning the pace and the, um, the content of our healing over to our higher power, because it gets orchestrated in the perfect way. So... So I got the book, "Radical Forgiveness." This is what the guy believes. Now, I'm not saying it's 100 percent true, because nobody knows the answers to all these big metaphysical questions about why this happens and why that happens. However, his um, theory makes kind of makes sense to me. So um, the person that I that abused me, for example um i got the wisp, you know there was sexual touching when i was little i got the whispered lie the world is not a safe place i cannot stay safe i better invent all these in, you know survival strategies so you know get good grades look good get the boyfriends etc so um and then you know eventually those quit working but the the point is that we get um pissed off at the world and Whenever we're having a difficulty with another person in our lives. The radical forgiveness theory is that that is there as a thorn in our side to help us become uncomfortable enough to use all the spiritual tools that would bring us to forgiveness and healing. So, for example, my father was the one who was hugging me in in inappropriate ways. and. I just, he, this colon tipping, he, his radicalforgiveness.com is his website and he he gives away his worksheets and you just download the worksheet and it works you through this process. And it really did help me with therapy, I must say, and with joining a sexual healing group for sexual trauma and other healing uh, experiences. Uh, they all helped me get to a place where I no longer hated. And, and I had the whispered lie also, all men hurt women. Yeah. Which of course kept playing over and over again. And that was, you know, no surprise that I was divorced three times. And uh, <laughs> then my fourth <laughs> husband, Peter, we've just been happily married for 30 some years. But when nice. he was, when we were 20 years married. Uh, He started drinking. I met him in recovery. And then I went into a whole other thing. He's just like my father. I, I hadn't totally forgiven my father, apparently. And when I realized that my anger was toward my father, not so much my husband, because it turns out by a miracle, he was in recovery for cocaine abuse. And he is able to have two drinks a day, no more, no less. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, that, you know, I didn't want to believe it first. And I went to Al-Anon and worked through and, and it turns out that that situation helped me forgive another layer of anger toward men and toward my father. And it healed me. So we always get
0: the catalyst, right? We always get, and like you said, in these processes, don't you ever notice how, like you're saying, you'll hear the same concept four times. (laughs) somebody will just someone will just appear in front of you Uh, my experience through my recovery and lots of counseling as well has been that the right people always show up at the right time and you know it just sounds like you know the necessity for this forgiveness I think is just like you like you pointed out you've gone, you went quite a ways it sounded like in in sobriety years wise sounds like you were 20 something years when you still really realized when your husband uh, started to drink, you hadn't forgiven your father. So that's still from way, way back, even in recovery. So these things don't come, you know, for me, it's come, come to and come to believe these things have never come quickly. Like there's a lot of work and a lot of sometimes You know, it's suggested in the 12 step program. If we need outside help, we get it because we're not professionals. And the thing is, like yourself, lots of things have been a long process for me as well. But forgiveness, I think the concept, and thank you for explaining that radical forgiveness, and people can go onto the website. And, you know, I mean, forgiveness is just so important.
1: Um, Now, what about this of the forgiveness checkup? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's sort of like the inventory and 12-step programs in the sense that, um, and the simplest way to put it is, is my heart open or closed toward other people and even the world? Um, So the forgiveness checkup has things like, um, am I resenting somebody um, for doing a certain thing? Or am I... And the opposite of it would be, am I able to see that they're human too and prone to the same fears that I have? And they're, they're just being right now driven by their, what we might call the ego or the fearful self. And I have no power to change that. And, and the essence of forgiveness, and this is a beautiful concept, is when we're able to see beyond the contours of the outer behavior of the person or our reaction to them and see the essence of goodness that is at the center, I believe, of every human being, the divine spark, they call it. So most of the things in the forgiveness checkup have to do with, are we able to let go of our way of seeing things and allow a more loving, open, caring perspective on whatever it was we were you know, judging and <laughs> condemning and so on. So in my mind, the more I can be, and this is again, a good way to use and direct my mind. If I'm thinking about someone and thinking all these judgmental thoughts, that's not forgiveness in my mind. Forgiveness is joining together our hearts rather than separating off and thinking they're not as good as I am or different. So that's
0: an easy thing to do.
1: No, no, an easy
0: practice to do, but a necessary practice, I think for any quality of recovery, wouldn't you think? Yeah.
1: And, and the spiritual program, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. I'm just saying that um, the good news is that, we don't have to get sober and then all of a sudden figure out how to do all this stuff on our own. For me, the 12 steps were a perfect stepping stones toward forgiveness, toward letting go, and then discovering other spiritual paths and therapy and so on.
0: Yeah, it's a really good foundation, and it was for me as well, mm-hmm. but uh, it certainly wouldn't have been all that I needed you know it opened up the opportunity and the awareness me that you know it was just for me I remember the day that I thought to myself hey I think this thing is just not about drinking and like I was so surprised (laughs) and it's like oh really this isn't just about drinking and you know that's the whole thing the freedom comes from you know really realizing that you know there's a lot of wreckage of the past and a lot of the wreckage isn't our own. It isn't our own doing. But like you said, once we get to the whispered lies, once we can sort that out, once we can get, you know, firmly planted in some type of recovery, whichever recovery source is that and practice that people choose, we at least have a chance to unravel the narrative and change it and, you know, figure out these whispered lies and replace them with, you know, positive thinking. Stay in the present moment, and uh, you know, look to a bright future. Because I mean, to me, I didn't sober up to be miserable. And right, the minute I'm going to be that miserable, then you know, there's no point in me staying. So, you know, I just think that we can, of course, only touch. So briefly, these things in your book. And that's why I'm saying I'm hoping down the road you would come back again because mm-hmm. there's such specific things in the book. But, you know, one book is just like so chock full of, you know, it obviously took you all your training and a lot of time to compile everything. But I highly recommend it to anybody in recovery, utter recovery, because. I think these whispered lies, everybody has them. And I just think that it's so useful and forgiveness is so useful to free us in our addiction and, you know, move forward. And I'm just wondering, you know, as we wrap up, Gigi, I really am wondering if you could give us a little bit of information, first of all, how people can get the book. I know that they can get it on your website. So maybe you can give your website address
1: and details sure. about that. Yep. It's uh, G-I-G-I and then L-A-N-G-E-R-G-G-Langer.com. And uh, there's a buy uh, button there. And uh, so when people buy it through my website, they get it for almost half of what um, Amazon charges. And if it's within the U.S., it's free shipping. Uh, but and I can't do that. And it's autographed yeah it's a personalized autograph but it's also available in an you know e- kindle and uh and people who uh get the audiobook, well any book i send you a free pdf with it's like a little workbook because there's lots of little exercises in there that people might choose to do so gglanger.com
0: <laughs> great and can you give us a little bit of idea um i know that at one point you were running a book group uh, yes. You know, it says here that you do some retreats. Can you just give a, a little ex- explanation of some of the things that you do that are available Surely. as well?
1: Yes, I love to lead retreats. And one of my um, favorite ones is Step 6 and 7, Drop the Rock, based on the book. And it's uh, I can do it in a one-day format or in a, you know, weekend format. And I love that. And It's um, a
0: great book.
1: Thanks. And then um, my first study group was just launched and completed, and we had five hour and 15 minute sessions. And we went through different chapters of the book, and people set goals and used the tools that they wanted to, and so on. And I kept the group size to only eight people because I wanted it to be very intimate. And so I'll be running another one of those in October. And so if you're, you know, on Facebook or Twitter, or anywhere where you see any of my stuff, you'll, you'll run into the announcements.
0: <laughs> oh, great, great. So that's upcoming. And uh, of course, you have your speaking engagements. And I thank you again today for coming here. And can you give us an idea, since the podcast is based on things we've earned through recovery, what are a couple of the key things that you know you've been able to do to live a life beyond your wildest
1: dreams because you are have remained in recovery? Boy, the first one is that I don't worry. <laughs> there we I don't, go. I don't do a lot of overthinking. Um, you know, because of working Elanon and so many 12-step programs, I really have been able to be in healthy relationships where I don't have to uh, worry so much, you know, or try to control nice. people. And, um, but when I do, then I I use the tools. So I, I feel comfortable about that. I guess the other bigger thing is that there's a higher power uh, working in my life that I have no doubt that it, um, that it's got my back. And the reason that is beyond my wildest dreams is because I never felt safe as a child. And now because of recovery and and mostly because of the female support that I have in recovery, the women that I know, if the worst of the worst of the worst happened, I could call on them and they would be there for me. And when I couldn't believe in a higher power, they would stream that love into me. That is like my ultimate sense of security. Yeah. And that is beyond my wildest dreams (laughs) to feel so secure. So what a
0: gift and what a gift it's been. You know, it's been an honor having you here today. And I want to thank, oh, thank you, you so, so much for touching on these points for us. And uh, we'll make sure that as many people know how to get the book. And I hope, Gigi, that, you know, we have you back again.
1: And I hope so, so thank too. You
0: so much for coming today, <laughs> and we'll talk to you again really soon.
1: Okay. Thanks, Denise. It's been fun.
0: Thanks, Gigi.
1: Mm-hmm.